Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Saturday Morning Rewind. For the safety of you and others, please make sure all hands, feet, and arms remain inside. And please, watch your children. And now, let the show begin. Welcome to Saturday Morning Rewind. A show dedicated to the love of animation and feeling like a kid again. So let's go back in time to when cats defended Third Earth. Sword of Omens, give me sight beyond sight. A masked duck protected the streets of St. Canard. I am the terror that flaps in the night. And knowing was half the battle. Yo, Let's go back with Saturday Morning Rewind and your host, Tim Nidell. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Tim Nidell. Welcome to an amazing episode of Saturday Morning Rewind. One I thought I wasn't going to be able to release because I had some technical difficulties, but I'm happy to say that the interview was 100% fine. I recovered it, and it's here for your enjoyment. And I am talking about the amazing interview with Christopher Sabat from Dragon Ball Z. He's a ton of voices on Dragon Ball Z. Uh, a few of them would be Vegeta, Piccolo. Vegeta, back off. He's mine. Don't you dare interfere. If you're that desperate for a spanking, go ahead. But you do realize you'll just be providing him with more energy, don't you? And Yamcha. Ready for this? Spirit Ball! Attack! And Dragon Ball Z is actually a show that I got involved with later in life. Let's see, this would have been, I think I started watching it in 99. My good friend Jared introduced me to it in Florida. So here's a quick shout out to Jared. Thank you so much for introducing it to me. Animes, I don't really love a ton of animes, but there's something about Dragon Ball Z. The the acting, I love it. I love the voices. I love the stories. Yes, it takes 20 episodes to unscrew a light bulb. I don't care. It's a fun show. And if you don't like anime, this is going to be an amazing interview. I think you're really going to enjoy this interview. So don't tune off just because you don't like anime. Trust me, I'm not huge anime either. And this is a very fun interview. And uh, of course, go to our website, SaturdayMorningRewind.com. Check out our Facebook, Twitter, links, everything like that. Remember those positive iTunes reviews. Remember to subscribe to us on either iTunes or Stitcher. And just remember, I love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, here is my interview with Christopher Sabat. Enjoy. I'll be honest. I'm going to be tortured this entire interview just a tiny bit, and it's my own fault. <laughs> I uh, I just found on eBay this thing called a wave drum. It's made by Korg, and it's a an electronic kind of hand drum. They're usually fairly expensive, but I actually found some guy offloading it like for half of what it should have been. So it came in the mail as I was walking out the door to leave. I noticed it was (laughs) by the door and I'm staring at it right now. And it's just like tearing a hole in my in my heart. You have to open it right now. I I just can't. I can't. I will not be trusted uh, to talk once that happens. (laughs) So I'm not I'm not a, a percussionist by any means, but I'm a huge fan of sounds so anytime i see an object that can make sounds 
uh, I'm attracted to it. You know, that's perfect. It kind of segues into my first question. I understood that you were obsessed with sounds as a kid, even. And you used, to, used yeah. to record sounds on a little recorder. Like, what You're kind of. Correct. What, you've, what? you've done some research. <laughs> yeah, when I was a kid, I loved. <clears throat> I, I was obsessed with sound effects and sound effects records. And I, I didn't have the internet or. Uh, anything more than like an Encyclopedia Britannica for information when I was a kid. I didn't have any friends, parents who did this kind of work. So there was no, you know, and I was also not a kid that really liked to hang around the library either. I just liked to check out the sound effects records and go home. So a lot of it was just experimentation for me. I loved, uh, my favorite thing was creating environments, playing different records and recording them onto my cassettes. Um, and then playing multiple cassettes at one time while I record on another cassette recorder and essentially do like a little radio show for myself that had music and sound effects that I'd created to create some sort of environment. It's kind of not unlike what I do sometimes yeah. on a weekly basis now, <laughs> just on a very crude level. Um, and I probably had my mother yelling at me in the background half the time. <laughs> it's funny because I told the story here before on the podcast how I was the same way as a kid, but I used to – Take my little recorder. Actually, you know, it's a big hound head recorder with the with the microphone connected to it. And I used to record cartoons. And I would record my favorite um, characters. And then I would go to my bedroom and uh, pretend like I'm interviewing them. And I would edit in their answers with my questions from their TV shows. And you, like me, probably wish you could go back and find those tapes. I've huh? looked. Yes, yes. I've looked so many times. How epic would that be? I know. Actually, like, I've told people that if I had a realistic wish from a genie, you know, like if you couldn't say I want all the money in the world or I want world peace or any of those glamorous things you could do. They said, no, you could you could just have three wishes. One of them would be to get back all of the little projects I did when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And the other one would be just to get back everything I've ever loaned to anyone. Um, <laughs> and that would just like my whole life. Can you imagine if all those favorite things that you had that you loaned to somebody and they never gave it back to oh, you were man. suddenly like back in your life again? <laughs> oh, it'd be glorious. Did you ever see uh did you ever see that guy who did the internet video of him interviewing himself after 20 years? No, I haven't. It's it's a very much like what we're talking about. This guy found this tape of like this video cassette of him 20 years ago asking questions like interviewing himself in the future. Wow. But he edited himself in the present answering those questions very sarcastically. You've got to look it up. Like, I, think, I think if you look it up on YouTube, it would be a conversation with my 12-year-old self. Okay. And I highly recommend it. It is so funny. <laughs> I can't – I can't – I'm not going to go any more into it, but it's brilliant. Oh, that sounds epic. I also read that you used to study opera. I did. Got I got a degree to the University of North Texas uh, – sorry, I got a scholarship to the University of North Texas – to sing uh, opera, and it was what I did best, I guess. But it, I eventually discovered it wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do mm -hmm. for a living. What would Vegeta sound like singing opera? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. I had to explore that in one of the movies recently uh -huh. uh, because the resurrection uh, – sorry, it was the Battle of Gods. It was the first yeah. new Dragon Ball movie in a yeah, long yeah. time. And before we dubbed it, you know, those people who were lucky enough to see it in Japan 
were messaging me saying, hey, Vegeta sings in this. Vegeta sings in this. And I was really genuinely worried because the Japanese voice of Vegeta, his name is Ryo Horikawa. He's a thespian and a singer and oh, all yeah. sorts of crazy stuff, but he's got a way higher voice than I do. So I was very terrified that I was going to actually have to sing in Vegeta's voice. But as it turns out, uh, it was more of a shout singing type of thing. Okay. And I always believe that Vegeta never spent much time singing in his life. So <laughs> uh, in that movie, I got to explore what would happen if he actually had to pretend or at least force himself to sing. And it was a very loud ordeal. And anyone knows that as the bingo song. Um and it's really more singing. It's like, bingo! Uh, that would be his idea of what singing might be. Uh-huh. <laughs> because he's never had a lot of joy in his exactly. life. Exactly. So I joy. doubt there have been times where he just decided he was going to sing. Maybe when he was younger and he'd killed a bunch of people, he maybe he was yeah, happy. Yeah, there you go. There you go. But I kind of get the impression that he's had hemorrhoids his entire life. So he's just <laughs> he's had a pretty crap life. So he wouldn't be singing very often. And uh, – I also read that you're you're somewhat of a gamer. I am. Uh, is less of a gamer in its traditional sense when you when you're speaking. When I think of a gamer, I think PS4, uh, Xbox One, PC gamer type thing, which I used to be a lot heavily uh, into years ago. But now uh, it's tough with the kids. Kids, it becomes tricky because I can't play stuff that's too violent. In I front know. Of them. Then by the time it's time to go to sleep, I'm exhausted. I know. But I have been managing to kind of sneak some time in, and I do a lot of gaming on, you know, my phone. I feel like we've all become gamers thanks to the iPhone. Yeah, no kidding. But I have found a lot of great games I, I, I'm i able to play, like on planes and things like that. Recently, though, um, I guess last year, after the success of the, one of the movies, the guy who plays Goku in Dragon Ball Z, his name's Sean Schemmel, he sent me, for whatever reason, he was just in a good mood, a uh, a custom gold PlayStation 4. Wow. And two custom gold controllers that said 9001 on them. Wow. And I've since <laughs> been uh, taking that console with me to conventions now with a little games case that has a monitor built into it, and I've been playing more than I ever used to. Yeah. Problem is, the first game I launched into after a long time was Fallout, and it's almost impossible to get out of it. Yeah, no kidding. That, that game's addictive. No, oh, it's it's bad, and I I don't get long enough to play it to where I get sick of it either. I and I I kind of jump back into it and go, oh wait a minute, how do I play this again? And I spend the first thirty minutes just kind of reacclimating myself to the world. So yeah, I, I haven't been as intensive a gamer uh, as I have in the past. But something remarkable happened. My daughter, Hero, uh, the five year old, has discovered that she likes video games because I've been slowly introducing yeah, her yeah. to them. And that's going to save everything because she actually likes to play video games oh, a yeah. lot. Oh, yeah. There you go. There's your excuse to play video games. Exactly. So we've been playing Little Big Planet quite a bit. Oh, of yes. That's a good one for a little five-year-old. Yeah, it's true. And the thing is she finds the, the camp pain a little bit too scary because uh, this current Little Big Planet is a little dark. Uh, so what I end up doing, like any sucker dad does for his daughters – is I stay up late for hours making levels that we play <laughs> the next day. Oh, look at you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Something Vegeta would never do. No, he wouldn't even take his son to the park. <laughs> he would put the demons into the game so the kid would be, you know, exposed to the demons. 
Yeah, he would make his he would plug the controller into an electric outlet <laughs> so that his son would be shocked every time he touched it just to become more powerful. All right, so Dragon Ball Z is such a huge, iconic show. Uh, tell me how you got involved with it. It is a crazy story. Um, I it's it. I wish it was. I wish it was something cooler than this. But oddly enough, I I was playing in bands in Denton, Texas, going to school at University of North Texas. I just decided I don't want to be an opera major anymore because. They were telling me things like you shouldn't stay out late. You shouldn't drink a lot of alcohol. You shouldn't smoke cigarettes. You uh, shouldn't talk a lot. And these were all things that I kind of wanted to do because I'm a freshman in college. So I thought this isn't the life for me. So I switched my radio to my degree to radio, television, film, and then got into all the insane things that you get into when you're a freshman and sophomore in college. Um, And along the way, I met a lot of people playing in bands. And there was this one girl – who was married to a guy I played in a band with, and her job was to rotoscope the early episodes of Dragon Ball Z. Hmm. She, um, it was when Dragon Ball was on, you know, network television, really, really, really early in the morning, like five o'clock in the morning, and it was so heavily uh, censored that she was the one who had to change beer to kind of a purple color to make it grape soda or Mm. she's the one that had to turn hell that's written on gauze and mezzes shirt into hfil and i used to joke with her all the time about how i want to see all the footage you remove that's all i that's the only thing i want to do i didn't know much about even what show she was working on but she had contacted me uh out of the blue and said hey you spent years in uh working in radio and you you do voice stuff and I said, well, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, of course, sure. She goes, you should come up and audition for this Japanese cartoon that I'm working on. I was like, sure, of course. So I go up there, I audition, and I get the role of Yamcha. Uh, he's, you know, if you're familiar with Dragon Ball, he's yeah. one of the yep. coolest characters. Um, but this was in a Dragon Ball movie when Yamcha actually was a good character. And we did this, a dub for this one film it was a direct to video cassette thing called uh, sleeping princess and devil's castle and i didn't know what i was doing and i don't think they did either it was just and it turns out it was a test to see if they could dub these shows in texas rather than having to fly out to canada and get their dubs done at the ocean group and about a month after dubbing it they contacted me and they said chris we're interested in having you come up and help possibly cast and direct this Dragon Ball Z series. And, you know, there uh, there was an internet back then, but it wasn't the internet we know today. It was barely anything. You, like, there were no such things as Wikipedias or fan sites or, sub like, fan subs or fan dubs. It was just a bunch of – it was just a wild west. There wasn't much to be found. So it's not like I could have researched what the show was yeah. or the type of impact it had globally. There wasn't a whole lot I could do. So I didn't really know even what sort of show I was stepping into. So I said, sure, and uh, they offered me a salary position uh, because they didn't have a lot of money and they didn't certainly want to uh, pay me as a contractor. So I came in making literally nothing, like oh, like just over minimum wage to help them start the show because uh, back then Dragon Ball Z wasn't you know, kicking in the United States just yet, and they weren't even sure what was going to happen. So uh, here we are casting this show. I have to cast this really wide net trying to find actors from all over uh, because Funimation has no money. 
and they can't afford to bring in people from LA and they can't they can't afford to pay top dollar and plus the concept of dubbing is different than the concept of prelay or other shows um something like the Simpsons or South Park or uh you know Saturday morning cartoon when the actors all come in and it's done in 2 hours yeah. it takes 35 hours or at that time maybe 55 hours because it was really slow back then to dub a single episode so they couldn't afford to pay people you know they could basically say well you'll eventually get $600 for this episode but it's going to take you three weeks to do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm having to cast all these people and I had no idea what the show even was. Um, so as we were casting it, we were trying to find voice replacements for the Canadian cast that had done about 60 episodes, Dragon Ball. And I don't know if it's because I was just a good mimic or because they were being frugal or what, but they picked me to play Vegeta and Piccolo and still reprise my role as Yamcha and Mr. Popo and Kami. And then they started adding – they started giving me all these characters. And uh, I mean I, I'm, I'm going to venture to say that part of why that happened is because I have a remarkably – well, a relatively low voice. Uh, and it was very hard to find people with low voices uh, or with a wide range. And they just sort of – they kind of gave me all these roles. And I had no idea what the impact – of these roles were eventually going to have on my life and my career. And that was 16, almost 17 years ago. My goodness. Wow. Sorry. That was a long winded story, but it's, it, I had, I just sort of stumbled onto it. It was one of these things I had no idea what I was accepting and and how important that was going to end up being. And uh, I'm sure voicing, uh, any kind of anime where you have to dub your voice and, and fit your lines into their, you know, their mouth movements. That's got to be tough sometimes. It was really hard, especially back then. Uh, now, I'll, it's still tricky, but the technology is so much better with the digital kind of interfaces we use now and the digital recording techniques where we're able to very quickly jump around or or punch quickly in uh, to certain sections or, or – uh, we have all these tricks we can do now to make it a little bit easier on ourselves. We can preview it really quickly. But back in those days, you know, we were recording to a computer, but it was slaved to a really large digital beta deck. Uh, it was called a three-quarter beta, actually. There was like an older type. The video cassettes were about the size of a MacBook, and it took 20 minutes. It took almost as long to play the episode as it did to rewind the episode. So we were working on this equipment that was really slow, really cumbersome. So we didn't get as many takes. And if you did, it took you a lot longer too mm-hmm. to get it right. And it kind of wore you down a little bit, it wore the directors down. And sometimes you're just like, that's fine. Let's move on. Let's yeah. move on. It's, it's good enough. And you've been voicing these characters for so many years. Do you ever bring them home with you? Do you ever like have weird dreams about these characters? <laughs> it's, it is funny like people can tell when I have voiced Vegeta because I just am angrier yeah, when yeah. I play him. I, I leave the booth angry because all you do is just wind yourself up and you're pissed off the entire time. It could be for four hours, uh, five hours in a row. And when I leave, I'm mad. And it's sometimes it really does rub off on me. My my wife will say, you recorded Vegeta today, didn't you? I'm like, <laughs> what do you ask? And um, yeah, so I, I really have to kind of decompress a little bit after playing that character. Lately, it's been pretty fun because in the newer, uh, kind of in the newer iterations of the show, the past two movies, he's been angry, but he, they've been doing something interesting with this character where they're 
they're turning him into a uh, they're turning him into a better kind of more kind of funnier character. They're putting him in awkward situations. Nice. And uh, his humor is less uh, just kind of blanket angry, and it's just kind of embarrassed angry. <laughs> um, other like Piccolo, I always like if I want to yell something at the top of my lungs, like at a concert or across a room or something like that, I always use his voice. It's always like, yeah! Um, that's always the voice I use for those situations. And Yamcha is the voice I use when I talk to my kids a lot of the times. Yeah, so, yeah. Because I always raise my voice for some reason when I'm talking to my children. <laughs> oh, who doesn't? Come on. And I just, my, my pitch just goes up into my head and... Uh, I feel like I'm going to scare them if I speak in a low voice. Although both of my daughters know I have a a low voice, and they'll whenever my daughters imitate me, they always go like, "My daughter talks like this." So, I mean, you could be Batman with that voice. Uh, possibly, yeah. There've been so many Batman. I, I'm not sure I would even want to take on that role. It's a huge responsibility. Yeah, no kidding. But my my next interview is going to be with Kevin Conroy, so I'm looking forward to that. Oh, he's amazing! Like really, like just. The the experiences that the guys in Los Angeles have are are pretty incredible because they are just surrounded by so much stuff that's happening. In Dallas, we really have to fight a little harder for what we get. Yeah, we don't get as many productions here. We get a lot of anime, but you know we don't get as many video games. We don't get as many you know network cartoons and things like that. So we have to dig a little deeper. You know, it it is a shame, but at the same time, like. I actually really enjoy reading commercial stuff. I love industrial stuff. I like getting somebody's boring uh, copy about their business and being able to read something for Hewlett Packard that sounds really cool. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know it's stupid, but I, I get a, I get a, a kind of a thrill out of reading stuff in a beautiful way. Turning turning uh, you know beauty into you know from crap. Yeah, just taking something that should be really boring and. And knowing instinctive, instinctively how to read it in a way that's that's interesting. It's, it can be a challenge because sometimes there's a lot of run-on sentences or there's lots of fragments and trying to find just the perfect way to read it in the quickest amount of time uh, that can make your client happy. Tell me about voicing fight scenes. What is that process like? Uh, well, it, it it's always shocking to people when they first have to do it. Um, but it's strange. I feel like I could virtually get into a fight and win if I only had to make the sound to make the fight. <laughs> uh, because like a trained boxer or a martial artist, I can pretty much tell you what the sound of anything sounds like. Like, And I, what's weird is I've never been in a phys- physical fight in my life. Like I always will get out of any altercation by talking it out um, because I got such a sexy voice. Oh, yeah. um, but normally I'd – and I've never had to fight anything in my life, but I can tell you what I think fighting sounds like. Um, I can tell you what it – I think it sounds like being hit in the stomach. I think I know what it sounds like to kick really hard to somebody's head. But, you know, then again, I've never seen it happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can at least freak somebody out by just doing those those noises before you get in the fight. Sure. Uh, I The one time I actually almost was in a fight uh, – I kind of had to use a little bit of the uh, technique that I always knew I would use if I ever ran into that situation. I could tell it real quick. I'm in, I'm in uh, uh, Winnipeg going to a convention, and I would played a joke on some people at a convention where I dressed up 
in a in a frog uh, kirigumi or uh, it's one of those like it's almost looks like pajamas or something like that that kids wear at anime conventions. Uh. And I dressed up in one of these and put a mask on my face and went to somebody else's panel and asked them a bunch of dumb questions. And I got a little drunk at the convention and then walked back to my hotel. And I forgot that I guess you get so used to being at conventions where people dress crazy that you don't even think about the fact that that's not entirely normal mm-hmm. um, walking around a city. And I walked through this kind of gang of people and I could tell that it was just about to go down. And uh, am I allowed to swear on this show at all? You can bleep it out. I'll bleep it out. Uh, go ahead. But yeah, these these guys, I, I could tell as I was walking up that he looked at each other and he goes, all right, this one. And uh, I, I could, they start moving towards me, and I walk up and I go, ah, I'm a f***ing frog! And uh, <laughs> they, they all stopped. They backed up, and they let me pass. <laughs> this one's too crazy for us. We'll, hit, we'll kill the next one. Oh, wow. That's, that's ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So if you ever get into a situation oh, yeah. like you're a, a, a Vegeta version of a frog, Self-defense 101. There you go. <laughs> Be crazy. <laughs> wow. That's hilarious. Dragon Ball Z is, is known for a lot of crazy stories, a lot of crazy lines and situations. Do any of those really stick out to you? Or like any moment when you read the script, it's like, what am I going to be doing? Uh, it all was weird to start with. You know, I it, the cool thing about working on the show, um, at Dragon Ball, was that we didn't have all of the elements, so I didn't necessarily know where the show was going to end and what was going to happen to these characters. So I kind of experienced things as they were going along. So here we are in a really tense part of the series, and, and then they cut to a driving school episode. That's It's Piccolo and Goku going to driving school, and that killed me. It was the funniest <laughs> <laughs> departure from the series because I didn't know like are they going to continue with this turned out to be just kind of a one-off sort of filler yeah. episode but that cracked me up Drag- um, Dragon Ball has no filler episodes what are you talking about yeah uh, <laughs> so many and the other uh, the other part that really got to me because I didn't know really how brutal uh, the show was going to become and that was it was when uh, Yamcha gets a hand through his heart oh yeah that that one got me. I was like, whoa, okay, they really went there. Yeah. I guess I should have known because Krillin got a horn through his stomach, but it, it was just really violent. The hand right through the stomach. Uh, that's where I really felt like the show is uh, show is not necessarily for the youngest exactly. of kids. Although my, Although kids, my kids are, are, are loving love it right now. right now. How old were your kids when you introduced them to Dragon Ball? Just, just recently, recently, honestly. So the four-year-old's okay with it? Yeah. Is it a little, you said all girls, right? Yep. Man, I need to figure out. Maybe it's – I guess it, it differs from child to child, but I just feel like my daughter's so darn sensitive. She probably would get nightmares from it. Uh, I want to introduce it to her so badly, but I'm afraid that she she won't like it or she'll, she'll uh, be scared of it. I think that my uh, littlest one is kind of faking the fact that she's not scared because the older girls are there too. So I think yeah, that might okay. be why she didn't seem scared. Yeah, but, I think – I have a feeling that my one-and-a-half-year-old will be ready when she's four uh, if I can get my you know, five-year-old to watch it when she's nine. Exactly. 
So, yeah, hopefully that'll be the case. We'll see. But they're definitely in love with uh, Gohan is their favorite probably. And uh, who else? Piccolo, They like drunks? Yeah, they do, yeah. They, I think that was they, my favorite character when he showed up. They love In a way, he saved the series for me. Yeah. Because I was getting really frustrated with how slow the Frieza saga went, and it was driving me crazy. <laughs> Which one was your favorite saga? I loved um, – I really love the androids. Oh, yes. Uh, I love the androids, and there was one bit of the Boo saga that I liked more, and that was what, where I think the series genuinely peaked, and that was the Majin Vegeta section. Mm-hmm. At least for me, I felt like that was the pinnacle of what Dragon Ball Z was. Like, if they'd ended it right after that fight, I probably would have been okay. I can relate to um, that because that's when I actually started watching Dragon Ball Z as a huge fan was during that saga. So then I went back and rewatched all the other ones. Yeah, that was just such a great moment. It was a, kind of the epic fight that you were really hoping they'd have. Uh, they were going to have like about 150 episodes ago. Um, yeah, but other, other than that, I really did like the androids. There were so many characters. There's so many fun ones that came in. I loved Android 18 and 17. Um I love Dr. Giroux. I, I really love time, the time travel stuff uh, with Trunks. I, I really like that whole part of the story. I wish they'd explored more of Trunks' story than, than they did. Do you collect any uh, any merch or toys or anything from the from the series? I always had kind of a no, no merch in my house rule because I just didn't – like I just firstly wanted to kind of stay modest about it and, and – I knew it was kind of a, a slippery slope, but I do actually have a lot of stuff in – I have a lot of stuff in boxes, but I have <laughs> ultimate favorite things kind of out. Yeah. One of my uh, favorite old pieces of merch that I that I drag out every now and then, my daughters love it, was this punching bag of Vegeta uh, that, that my mother found like at uh, Walmart years and years, like 15 years ago. And every time you punch it, he goes, is that all you have? <laughs> Is that all you have? <laughs> my daughters love it. It's too bad he's not saying, I'm a frog. <laughs> I'm a freaking frog. <laughs> um, I had been really coming to love some of the beautiful sculptures that they're starting to make now. Yes. I know they've had them all along, but when I first came along, uh, the series, they, they really didn't – a lot of the toys were pretty cheaply made. There wasn't anything that looked that amazing, but uh, – Figure Arts is doing some neat stuff now, and uh, uh, Ben Presto has some beautiful stuff. And so I've, I have been kind of picking up occasional things of, of characters that I've played. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I collect animation cells, and I have probably about 100 in my office right now. And one of my favorites is right here to my right. It's with Piccolo. So I have a little piece of Piccolo right there. Oh, you'll have to send me what that looks yeah, no, like. Do you know exactly where it is? It's uh from it's a scene from it's the Garlic Junior saga. Okay. So it's I think it's from episode Fight with Piccolo. And uh, is that the one where uh, is it the one where Piccolo is possessed? Yeah. And... Yep. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So he's being uh, held back, and it looks like he's possessed in the picture itself. Yep. 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 Maybe he has fangs or a little fangy yep, yep, teeth. Yep. Yep. Oh yeah, he's got red it's eyes. Yamcha's in that shot too, right? Or, not I mean, in this was... shot. Let's see. This one is. This one's going to be um, spice. Yep. Okay. Yep. 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 I can send you a picture when we're done with it. I would like to see that. And uh, remind me after we get off the off of this interview. I actually might 
I, I might have something else you might be interested in, Ooh, too. Yeah. So it's then, not Dragon Ball, but I, I have uh, probably more cells than I need of a certain show. Oh, so sweet. Be willing be, to throw one your way. Oh, that'd be awesome. I'd love that. Of course, you got to sign it, too. Well, of course. <laughs> and if you ever make your way to Montana, you got to sign this one, too. Oh, that's where you're at in yeah. Montana? Yeah. That's, I think... That is the the only state in the United States I haven't been to. We'll see. A perfect reason to come up here. Uh, yep. I've got an excuse now. Why don't they have like a Montana con or something like that? I'm I sure know. they do. I mean, the closest one to me is in Spokane. That's about four and a half hours away. Do they call it Spokane? <laughs> they should. <laughs> and they missed their opportunity on, um, you know, Chaka Con. But <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Okay, so let's do some random questions. I'm gonna throw some random crazy questions out there. Not super crazy, just you know, off off the off Dragon Ball Z. Um, if you could voice any cartoon character ever made, past, present, and there's no consequences, like you're not you're not taking somebody's job or anything like that, who would you want to voice? Hmm. And it doesn't matter if you're in the the voice range or not. If I could, I, I know this doesn't sound. Uh, this may not be the answer you're looking for. But if there really was one person where I could have done that job um, and I would really enjoy doing it, I would love to have been the movie trailer voice. I'd love to have been Don LaFontaine. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a great answer. I was always obsessed with the trailer voice. And uh, it's funny how he parodied himself before he died and now it's it's you just don't even hear that much trailer VO anymore. Like he made it to where it's hard to do that trailer voice mm-hmm. unless you're doing it as a joke. Oh yeah. So he kind of like basically said, "Hey, I invented this, and I'm going to destroy <laughs> it before I leave, so no one else can have it." I actually did get to hear him work once, really? and I was in a control room where he was working. He was doing a phone patch, and. I really did learn a lot from just listening to him because I – and it's the, it's the problem people have when they try and do an impersonation of him or they go, oh, yeah, the movie trailer guy. And they go, in a world or whatever. They, they try and lower their voice as low as they mm-hmm. possibly can. And the one thing I took away from that session was that it wasn't that his voice was so incredibly deep. He had developed a style where he would speak – through the vowels and the consonants and almost sing through them to where his voice would cut through a mix. Like, it didn't matter if he was saying an R or a T. He always had, like, this resonance passing through it. And it wasn't that it was so deep. It's just it was so resonant. And it, and it was just this continuation of sound that did a beautiful job cutting through any mix. And that's and I've used that technique on other things before, and I've used it when I'm directing uh, to coach ac- actors out of something that uh, you know a type of voice that I don't like, um, or if I want them to try and do something different, I'll usually give them some advice to say, "Hey, connect, connect the sound all the way through your voice, connect it all the way through vowels and consonants." Uh, and I learned that from from listening to him. Or, mm-hmm. What's the last movie you watched in the theater? Hmm. Oh, man, I, I get to see so few of them now. Uh, let's see. What was I actually have seen a 
a number of movies. I guess the last one I saw was, uh, man. Oh, come on. Come on. I haven't seen one recently and I'm dying to go see, uh, Cloverfield. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, what would it have been? Oh yes. Uh, the last movie I saw was the most recent Coen brothers movie. Hail Caesar. Oh, is that any good? I love the Coen brothers. Like yeah. my favorite movie of all time is Raising Arizona and I absolutely despise the movie. Like oh, I just man. found no joy in it whatsoever. Oh man, was it the first time that they disappointed you? Well, the, it was one of their we're doing this for us and not for you kind of movies. Okay. Uh they're it very they have some divisive movies like that like uh Inside You and Davis, I think was another one, or mm-hmm. Killing You and Davis, I forgot what it was called, uh, was another one of theirs. They have some just movies for director's sake kind of movies, and this was just a, filled with what must have been a bunch of inside jokes that I didn't understand. <laughs> I felt like the trailer told me it was going to be a different movie than it ended up being. I, yeah. I didn't like any of the characters, and I normally love their characters. And... uh I just, I, it just nothing grabbed me at I might, all. In I might movie. get crap for saying this, shame. but I kind of get the same feeling from recent Tarantino movies. I loved uh, the most recent Tarantino. I haven't seen that one because I've been disappointed lately. Oh man, this goes back to the beginning. Okay, like good. This, it, the Hateful Eight is brilliant, yeah. just brilliant, and it is so violent and so well written. Uh, it's a perfect it's it's his most perfect film he's made since gosh probably i'd say it's his best film since pulp fiction wow good to hear that he's back then i love kurt russell so i really did want to see it but i've been hesitant oh everyone in it is fantastic everyone it's just brilliant good good i'll definitely check that out then and the whole movie you will be on the edge of your seat (laughs) and you will not you will not get resolution for a long time, too. It's really, it's just, it won't end up what you, it will not end up what you think. It's okay, going. sweet. I got to watch it then. Yeah, I, I was really happy I saw that. You voice a lot of tough characters throughout your career, not just through Dragon Ball Z. If they all got into one giant fight, who would win and why? Well, I would always root for Vegeta. I know it's lame, but he's my favorite character by far, only because I've lived in his shoes for so many years i feel like i understand that guy mm-hmm. um if there was one guy i wish would prevail over others he's an anime character i played called garter belt in a show called panty and stocking featuring garter belt i don't know if you've seen it no uh, i haven't no it's absolutely insane he's this like eight foot tall black guy um <laughs> who who is sort of the charlie to these two girls um panty and stocking and they're fallen <laughs> angels who are one of them is addicted to sweets and chocolate and one of them is addicted to sex and they're trying to earn their way back into heaven by killing evil ghosts and he's sort of the guy that gives them their missions and it's wow. such a fun show it's probably was more fun to work on than it even is to watch <laughs> but it's it's definitely something different and you will have never seen it it's, it's almost like if, if they remade the powerpuff girls uh, in Japan, and it was the most dirty, offensive thing. I definitely don't play it for your daughters. Yeah, okay. 
And if there was another show that I is totally uh, popular in Japan but has never really caught on here, it's another show I play. I play um, Giraro in a show called Sergeant Frog, and it's about uh, a bunch of uh, tiny frogs that are from outer space that come to Earth and are stranded because the mothership leaves them there. And so they kind of live in this normal family's basement. And every episode, they're, it's some other plan to try and destroy the Earth, except it just doesn't work out for them. Hmm. I highly, and that one is family-friendly. Okay. That one, I think, could be a successful uh, network show. It's just, I don't know what it is. It's just people haven't caught on to it. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, called Sergeant Frog. Definitely check it out. I will. All right, let's let's say that Yamcha, Piccolo, and Vegeta were all living in America today. Who do you think each one of them would vote for for president this year? <laughs> oh gosh, it's hard not to flavor that. Um, <laughs> uh, I, wow, man, Yamcha would probably vote for Donald Trump because he's an idiot. Mm-hmm. Um. Let's see. Vegeta would probably he would probably vote for Hillary Clinton because women are the only thing that I think can um, impress him as far as uh, people who are more powerful than he is. He would also like her connection to big business. Um, And. Of course, Piccolo being the character I think that resonates there to me, I feel uh, closely resembles, you know, the African-American struggle. Kind of his 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 race was kind of eradicated and uh, they were a peaceful, loving kind of tribal uh, community. And uh, he is really I think he would be a Bernie fan. I think he would. Okay. He'd be okay with that because the the, <laughs> the Namekians were kind of socialist in that yeah. one. <laughs> great answers, great answers. Okay, so I want to end the the episode. You know those online stupid quizzes? Which character are you? Uh, no, okay. I haven't. Seen, well, there's no. there's a Dragon Ball Z quiz online. It's which Dragon Ball Z character are you? You, you answer you answer questions and then it tells you what character you are. So it's you want to do a quick round real quick? Oh, of course. All right. So answer honestly how you would answer it. How do you stay fit? Is it weightlifting, swimming, I don't need to work out, I'm fabulous, jogging, yoga, MMA, dance, walk around the block, or monkey bars? Hmm. Let's see. I'm going to say I don't need to work out. I'm fabulous. All right. There you go. What's your favorite type of burger? Triple bacon cheeseburger, organic burger, veggie burger, a fancy $20 burger, protein style with uh, lettuce for the buns, a uh, burger from the meat of animal I just killed, no burger, just fries, grilled chicken burger, or a Happy Meal burger? Uh, I'm going to have to say a grilled chicken burger. All right. I'm going to be Chi-Chi, I guarantee you. <laughs> this is already looking bad for me. I can already tell the answers I should have answered. Yeah. Get the character I want, but I'm going to go with honest Gotta ones. go honestly, yeah. If a person was choking, what would you do? You would punch him in the stomach until the food dislodges, perform the Heimlich maneuver, wait for someone else to do something, call an ambulance, teach them the Heimlich maneuver, laugh at their misery, offer some water, 
offer the medical herbs, act concerned, but not really do anything. Wow. Uh, I guess I'd attempt the Heimlich maneuver on them. Pick a superhero. Superman, Iron Man, Jean Grey, Green Lantern, Batman, Wolverine, Spider-Man, the Hulk, or Mr. Incredible? Mr. Incredible, please. Good answer. What do you listen to while you work out? The Rocky soundtrack, audiobook, Beyonce, Journey, Classical, Slipknot, Daft Punk, Yellow Magic Orchestra, or video game soundtracks? Oddly enough, uh, Yellow Magic Orchestra. Yeah. What would you do if you saw your sworn enemy? Challenge them to a fight, find a diplomatic solution, have someone else defend your honor, walk away, give them a you're dead to me look, insult their mama, gather some backup, offer them some weed, charm them until you're friends. I would find some sort of diplomatic solution. Okay. With your glorious voice. Yep. Pick a game. Candyland. Cranium, Apples to Apples, Sorry, Chess, Monopoly, Poker, Twister, Jumanji. Chess, I guess. I hate all those other games. <laughs> Pick- now, if you'd said, like, uh, if you'd said, I don't know, uh, Dead of Winter, yeah. you would add me on that. Yeah. <laughs> Pick your favorite toy 90s G.I. Joe's, Lego, National Geographic Elements Science Kit. Tyco remote control car, toys are for kids, illegal fireworks, Nickelodeon Gak, Nerf guns, or Beanie Babies. It'd have to be that uh, remote control car. Pick a franchise, Street Fighter, Harry Potter, X-Men, Power Rangers, Ninja Turtles, Mortal Kombat, Buffy, Sailor Moon, or the Muppets. Oh, gosh. Mortal Kombat. Pick a video game console, Super Nintendo, Game Boy, PlayStation, Dreamcast, PC, Sega Genesis, Atari Jaguar, NES, Xbox. PlayStation. Okay. Which British TV personality would you dine with? Mr. Bean, Stephen Fry, Graham Norton, Stephen Merchant, Dylan Moran, Moran, Russell Brand, Ricky Gervais, I don't know any. It had to be Ricky Gervais. Yeah. Uh, but Steve, you had me at Stephen Merchant until you said Ricky Gervais. <laughs> Ricky's hilarious. All right. Yeah, this is the last one right here. Uh, which is your favorite Stanley Kubrick film? Spartacus, Barry Lyndon, 2001 Space Odyssey, Dr. Strangelove, Full Metal Jacket, Clockwork Orange, The Shining, Eyes Wide Shut. And last one is who? Stanley Kubrick. Uh, it would be a clockwork orange. All right, here we go. All right, you ready? Yes. You are drum roll. I'm I'm drumming so hard. Master Roshi. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's not the worst thing ever. No, it's not. It says it doesn't matter what age you are. You feel like a boss. You don't care what others think. You know what makes you happy, and that's all that matters. I wonder what would have happened. If I had changed my first answer to just like walk around the block instead, Master Roshi. Okay, I could see that. Like, <laughs> I, that's not a terrible, terrible character to be. No, not at all. All right, man, this has been a blast. Thank you so much for coming along with me. 
Thanks, man. I'm sorry I didn't get to do that interview with you early this morning. Um, so you're kind of getting a more tired version of me than I wish, but I'm really glad we got to do this, man. Yeah, yeah no doubt. It's it a ton of fun. And uh, can I get you to close the episode as uh, Vegeta and Piccolo? What the heck is this show again? Saturday morning rewind, I think. What? Why are we here? I don't know. Uh, because they called our agent. Oh, don't want to piss them off. Anyway, goodbye. Thanks for watching, idiots. That wasn't very kind. I know. Thanks for listening to that Saturday morning rewind. Please check them out on Facebook and Twitter. And that's all, folks. <laughs> <laughs>